Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In his 89 years on Earth, Carol Shelby lived more lives than Super Mario. He was born the son of a postal worker in rural Texas. Then he flew bombers for the Air Force in World War II. He worked on an oil well. He farmed chickens. He raced sports cars and won Le Mans with Sports Illustrated, naming him Driver of the Year two years running. All of this was before Carroll Shelby lived the life that made him a legend among automotive enthusiasts. That would be the life of a high-end race car guru known for his incredible run of cars he helped develop in the 1960s most of which were built with big old Ford V8s. Cars like the Cobra, the GT350, and GT500, the Shelby Daytona Coupe, the Ford GT40, among many others, firmly established American muscle as a worthy competitor to European sports cars of the time. If Shelby was known for one thing, it was constantly pushing the envelope. In his words, What's my favorite car? And I've always said, the next one. In the automotive world and beyond, there was always a next one for Shelby. In January of 1970, at the height of his success with Ford, Shelby shockingly walked away from the automotive empire he had built. True to his racing roots, he never stopped moving or looking for the next thing. From chile con carne to safaris, from his six or possibly seven wives to his eventual return to designing cars, today on Past Gas, we're talking about the many lives of Carol Shelby. Hello, everyone. This is Nolan from Past Gas by Donut Media, your new favorite automotive history show. This week, we're talking about the unknown cars and times of Carol Shelby. Yes, one of the most legendary automotive figures in history. This was a fun episode. We actually did it live. So if that sounds good to you, let's get into it. How you guys doing today? <laughs> Me? I threw up. Yeah. <laughs> I threw uh, up this morning. Why is that? I don't know. Do you want to speculate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my tummy hurt and then I puked. 
<laughs> I, I get sorry, sometimes man. when I get nervous, I throw up. Like when I used to do comedy a lot, um, I used to throw up before like a lot of shows. So maybe it's because we were going live and I was nervous about it. I, I feel like you also messed your stomach up by throwing up in shows as well, doing the milk chug. Yeah. Yeah, you used to throw up on purpose. Yeah, one of the first things I did uh, when I started doing comedy in LA was I drank a gallon of milk and then threw up on stage <laughs> for, <laughs> for this show called Dirtiest Sketch Show. Um, but it got got some attention um joe how how you how you doing uh i guess you could say i'm fired up i'm super excited i this is i just read the script this morning and i'm really pumped to talk about carol shelby my favorite Uh, dude he's james favorite dude i i he did a lot of weird things that we don't really even know about Unless you're like a huge Shelby head, so yeah, we I'm know excited. all about we know all about the Fords, we know about the Cobra, we know about the GT40, the Mustangs, but there's a lot of Dodges in there. There's some trucks, a lot of like kind of funny stuff that he did in the '80s that is very quirky and very cool, which is my style. I like quirky. Um, just a quick. This isn't even really a spoiler, but. One of the most surprising things I found out about him is that he owned a 220,000 acre ranch in Texas. I thought it was a typo at first, but that's like, that's a huge chunk of land. Telen, uh, what is it? Telengua? Telengua. Yeah. Over there in Texas. Uh, as we'll, we'll discover. Uh, so I guess without further ado, we should just get into it then, huh? Without further ado, without further ado, don't. Carol Shelby learned to drive as a teenager in the 30s in a Willys, a now defunct brand that at one point was the second largest car manufacturer after Ford. Following that, Shelby flew planes during World War II, serving as a test pilot, sick, and eventually a flight instructor. Shelby's racing days started at drag meets around Texas in the 50s. He started winning races and by 1954 was traveling to Europe, where he raced an Aston Martin DBR3 at Entry and Le Mans. Throughout the 50s, Shelby continued to race Jaguars, Ferraris, and Maseratis, as well as Aston Martins. The highlight of Shelby's career as a race driver was a win at the 1959 24 Hours of a Mall, beating out the rest in his Aston Martin DBR. The following year, he retired from racing altogether. Now, After racing, Shelby's dream was to take what he had observed in his travels around Europe and bring it back to America. Basically, he saw all these European car companies were making custom cars in limited edition runs and wondered why American car companies weren't doing the same. American engines of the time were simpler. They were more reliable. And Shelby was confident that an American-designed high-end race car could dominate in competition. Shelby's first opportunity came from AC Cars, a British-based automaker Their engine supplier, Bristol, had recently ceased production, and so AC was in need of an engine for their racing model, the AC Ace. Shelby dropped in a Ford V8, and the resulting car was dubbed the AC Cobra in Europe and the Shelby Cobra in the States. The Mark I Cobra had a 260 cubic inch V8 capable of 335 horsepowers, all in a small rear-wheel drive roadster package that weighed less than 2,200 pounds. Nolan can bench press more than that. Not anymore. <laughs> I don't know if he still can. <laughs> I but used to. When he was when he was at competition, you could deadlift twenty two hundred pounds uh, <laughs> without breaking a sweat. Yeah, that's like nothing, dude. Two twenty two. Come on. 
I uh, um, I, be- I I deadlifted 420 when I was uh, uh, dude, 21 years old. That's the nicest oh, number. Dude, that is the <laughs> sickest number, dude. This car was so fast that it's often credited as being the car that led to Britain instituting a speed limit on their highways. That is a flex. What followed was an arms race with Enzo Ferrari as the two constructors battled to dominate Grand Tour, also known as GT Racing. The Shelby Daytona Coupe was Shelby's masterstroke, winning the FI International GT Championship in 1965. All of this success led Shelby to become more directly involved in Ford's racing division. Shelby designed the Mark II, which took all three podium spots in the 1966 Le Mans. And if you guys have not seen the movie Ford vs. Ferrari, this is the versus that <laughs> that movie was all about. <laughs> Uh, we've um, also done a bunch of episodes of Up to Speed on it. We did uh, a four-part uh, yeah. podcast on four-part podcast series on Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, one of the coolest stories in automotive history. Uh, it's like it's really it just, great. Yeah, when he comes down the Molson straight, man, just tears. Cry I, uh, I really want to do another series, maybe like a two-part, one-parter or two-parter on the. Daytona Coupe. That's one of my favorite stories in yeah. racing because Carroll didn't really believe in that car. Uh, his designer Pete Brock was the one that really pushed for it, and it has a pretty radical design. And Sh- Carroll Shelby was like, "All right, if it doesn't work, you're fired, basically." Uh, and it, it worked, and it it killed. And I there's nothing like an f- ultimatum to really light a fire yeah. fire under your butt. So, um, spoiler alert. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, Ford won at Le Mans. However, despite its Ford engine, the Mark II that Shelby had used to defeat Ferrari was still built on a British chassis. In 1965, Shelby's dream of an all-American GT car came true with the development of the Shelby Mustang GT350. Instead of using a European assembled chassis, the GT350 was assembled in Los Angeles, California, baby. Oh yeah. Venice Beach, dude. Uh, the whole city is just venice beach to anyone not from la well that's where his shop was his like it's so cool to think that his shop was in venice like it's not it's not like out in the desert or something it's like well venice used to be just like oil fields and like kind of like slums and stuff yeah but like he could like walk out of the shop and see the ocean i always thought that was pretty cool the ocean yeah the ocean By then, Shelby and his Cobra-branded cars was more than a constructor. He was an internationally recognized brand. And as a Cobra myself, uh, I got to respect that. <laughs> yeah, did you have a thought after that? <laughs> no, I just wanted to get my nickname out there, Kentucky Cobra. <laughs> Merch coming soon. That's, kind of, that's the kind of leaked info that you get on the live pod. Yeah, sign up for our newsletter. We're dropping a little flute, like a snake charming flute that says donut on the side. (laughs) Kentucky Cobra baskets (laughs) for your snake. Shelby seems to have led one of those charmed lives where incredible success followed incredible success. Uh, Whenever Shelby failed, and he did fail, whether it was crashing cars during his racing career or losing millions of dollars in bad business ventures, he would soon bounce back with a vengeance. At the end of the 60s, Shelby had risen from his humble Dust Bowl origins, the son of a postman, to become one of the automotive world's earliest and greatest entrepreneurs. This guy couldn't stop founding companies, even after his supposed retirements. Wherever he went, 
He was innovating and inventing. And whatever he innovated or invented, he found a way to sell. I've never been a great salesman. Like, I don't think I could ever do retail because I'm just like, yeah, it's not actually that great of a product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, why we don't we don't have you do ad reads, Joe. <laughs> I worked I worked in a uh, Vaughn's Bakery one summer, mm-hmm. and uh, like m- most of my job was just like putting bagels into packages, and that was kind of it. But uh, <laughs> there'd be some nights where I was also in charge of the entire department, and. Um, <laughs> One night it was like some kid's birthday and a mom like wanted a cake, but wanted me to like decorate it, like write happy birthday, like, uh, you know, Jaden or whatever. And, uh, (laughs) Jaden Smith. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, uh, Jada Pinkett. Yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith wanted me to uh, decorate a cake. She she was at a, she got his birthday cake at a Ralph's (laughs) in a Tascadero. It was a Vons, James. It was a Vons. It's a fancy Um, Ralph's. But. I, I do not, ha- I, you know, I wasn't versed in the art of cake decorating. Uh, it looked like a toddler did it, and I was—I n- never did it again. Yeah, so, you made a meme cake. I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky that it was 2012. Twitter, like memes, hadn't really uh, taken over too much yet, so I was—I was, I was it's, saved. It's weird looking at memes from 2012, and they're just like so simple and just like the humor oh, I was thinking is about that very last basic. Night. Like, remember like demotivational posters? Yes. Yeah, I just said, like, all you had to do is take a stock image and, like, put it a black background. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, like, uh, I don't know, usually offensive. But, yeah. Cheeseburgers, because you can't, <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you will, whatever. I, I'm so, I can't think of memes right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you just got the question, are we still working on the pop-up headlights song? Um, the answer is yes. We got a really sick beat that Joe made, actually. Um, so an extended version is coming soon. We're trying to get some cool features. Um, I'd really love to get Noel Miller on that. Um, my car with pop-up headlights doesn't run currently, so um, got to get it running so we can make a video about it. I, we just have to push it downhill. <laughs> Even Shelby's story was a product. In 1967, Shelby published the Carol Shelby story recounting his racing days. One review said that the book discusses motors far more intimately than the average reader would care about. Well, at least it's motors being described intimately and not other things like Smokey Eunuch. Like Smokey Eunuch, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, if you want to get that joke, listen to our podcast about Smokey Eunuch. <laughs> the other coolest dude who's ever lived. Yeah, he's like the guy, dude. Yeah. Uh, although. <laughs> Are you chewing um, gum? Are you chewing gum during a podcast? Carol Shelby chews gum. That's not. This is an audio medium. <laughs> I chew gum every podcast. I know, and I it's, get mad every time. I'm starting to think it's a bit or something. Please, man, I want to hear you chewing like during bits. the show. No, like when you're listening to a podcast, you don't want to hear. <laughs> if you're listening oh, about yeah. Carol Shelby, though, like Carol Shelby, at least Matt Damon's Carol this is Shelby not method was podcasting, yeah. Joe. This is not uh, method Eric, podcasting, Joe. Uh, you know what, Nolan? Matt Damon's. Carol Shelby, that was the only decision he made as an actor. Was this guy's just going to chomp gum the whole time? That's a fair point. Um, so I'm getting into character. It is a method podcast for me. Don't sweat the technique. Also, right. I want to thank Eric for his donation. That's very generous, Eric. You're the freaking man. You're the man, Eric. You're the and man you now, want, Eric. 
if you you you're the man now, Eric. And if you want us to fire Nolan, Eric, we will. Yeah, donate me a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, for a hundred thousand dollars, Nolan will quit. <laughs> Don't do. That. Someone's gonna take it seriously. Um. Another example of Shelby's entrepreneurial myth-making ability was in the unlikely realm of chili, as in <laughs> beans and ground beef made in a slow cooker. Uh, my mom's chili is better than your mom's chili. Um, fight me. <laughs> Shelby, who grew up in the Depression-era Texas and wore a Stetson hat at every opportunity, had a natural liking for the spicy stew with Texan origins. And in 1967, he founded the first-ever... Terlingua International Championship Chili Cook-Off held in the Texas ghost town of Terlingua. Is it considered a stew? Chili? Yeah. What else would it be? A soup? Chili is not a soup. <laughs> Chili's too thick for a soup. <laughs> I still remember this. The worst lunch I ever uh, got was when we had, like, there's like this little cafe by our old office and I was like, I really want a soup and salad combo and I didn't see it on the menu. So I was like kind of like weirdly nervous to ask. And I was like, do you guys have like a half sandwich and soup? And they were like, yeah. And I like froze and I was like, okay, I'll have chili and tuna salad. <laughs> it was just like not good. <laughs> not a good combo. <laughs> it's like two thick things. A surf and turf, but mm, not, the, nice not the type of surf. And, <laughs> and the, yeah. <laughs> And then a refreshing tuna salad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like creamy and spicy. <laughs> and you can't dip. Like neither. Like the reason I wanted it was a little dippins. And neither of those are dipping. They're like the only one that doesn't dip. That's so funny. It's the only soup you don't dip stuff in. It's the only sandwich you don't dip stuff in. Uh. <sighs> Shelby owned a 220,000 acre ranch nearby. And some say the cook-off was a ploy to raise the profile of the area, thus benefiting the value of his real estate holdings. Uh, yeah, I wanted to do that, like uh, just go buy a house somewhere and then start a film festival, <laughs> like in Joshua Tree. What would it be called, though, the film festival? Um, uh, the Stockton right? Film Festival. Yeah. Coming soon. <laughs> the Stockton International Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, it actually brought money to Stockton instead of 29 Palms. <laughs> <laughs> the first Terlingua cook-off's stated purpose was to settle a rivalry between two journalists. It pitted Wick Fowler, a Texas local who had been perfecting his chili recipe for decades, against H. Allen Smith, a northerner who the Texans dismissively nicknamed Soupy. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> soupy. Both Fowler and Smith were super cocky when it came to chili. Smith had started beef with the 60s version of clickbait newspaper articles. It was an article entitled, Nobody Knows More About Chili Than I Do. <laughs> In the end, one judge voted for Fowler, one for Smith, and the third tie-breaking judge called it a split decision. Unlike racing, apparently chili cook-offs don't have a photo finish. Nobody Side knows note, more about chili. Than I do. Oh my God, it's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I'm going to stir the pot a little bit. The chili pot. Nobody knows more about chili than I do. 
Careful, H. You might start a chili cook-off. <laughs> That's precisely my intent, my love. <laughs> precisely my intent. This is the stuff that, like, normally Bridget would cut out of the live or the podcast, but now we have no choice but to leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to do that, that, that bit. It's great. <laughs> uh, side note on H. Allen Smith. He also claimed to have taken the first legal drink in the United States post-prohibition. This guy's a funny braggart. Uh, another guy who made the same claim was named Joe Weber. Hell of yeah. the popular vaudeville duo, Weber and Fields. But like, how could you possibly know that that was the first one? Like, so confidently, right. you know? And did like, <laughs> <laughs> like, was he at the signing of the freaking document? Like, was he in Congress? And he's like, maybe, yeah. maybe. Hold, yeah. hold off, hold off. <laughs> he had it. It's and not actually like, illegal. If I have it in my hand, I'm not drinking it. Okay, now it's legal. <laughs> Great. But people were drinking throughout pre- prohibition. Like, <laughs> It's not a yeah. huge claim to fame. Someone was probably drinking during the passing of the amendment. <laughs> and it like that sip just carried over the into biggest, being legal. The big the coolest anecdote I have about prohibition is that Youngling or Yingling, mm-hmm. uh, Yingling. brewery uh had like a truckload of beer delivered to the Senate the day that it passed. So that means that they were brewing it two weeks before they knew it was gonna like it was it was being brewed while it was still illegal. Great summer no, we just shandy. Made it this, we made it this morning. Yeah, yeah. No, we just made it this we morning. We expedited it, yeah. Shelby being Shelby didn't stop there. The Terlingua cook-off has since grown to something that Texas Monthly refers to as the Super Bowl of chili cook-offs. <laughs> um, very original analogy. That's very, we should, you know what, the- more people should. The big game events. on Sunday of chili. Yeah, cook-offs. we can't say we can't see Super Bowl. We're gonna get sued. We have to say yeah. the big game of chili cookoffs. It's still going strong with over ten thousand participants last year. Mm, from our research, from our research, it looks like an excuse for a bunch of Texans to go to the desert and drink, party, eat chili, and probably at some point uh, throw up. Nothing chili. wrong with that. But it's the desert, and it's cool to puke in the desert. <laughs> We should once once uh once this whole hell year is over, we should try we should make a pilgrimage down to the Terralingua Chili Cook. I would love to go to Terralingua. It'd be cool. We get our hands on some Shelby's and drive on down. Oh, there. that'd be so fun. The town itself looks really cool. There's like an old theater that turned into a brunch spot, and there's like graves and stuff. There's graves. Yeah, it's a ghost town. <laughs> That's what I want when I'm eating my uh, my eggs Benedict. My eggs Benny is to look at some graves. Yeah, <laughs> give me that grave e. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, creating an incredibly popular event wasn't enough for Carol Shelby. He designed his own chili seasoning and handed it out to friends in brown paper bags. By the sixth annual cookoff, Carol Shelby's original Texas brand chili kit was available in store shelves. According to the official company website, carolshelbyschili.com, Shelby approached his cars the way he approached his chili, by starting with a base, tweaking it to his taste, and taking off in whichever direction suited him best. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. That's the way to live. Now, if you think a chili kit is a weird product for a race car driver and constructor to put his name on, buckle up your baby belts because it's going to get weirder. Uh, in 1967, 
Shelby also promoted Carol Shelby's Pit Stop, a real man's deodorant. (laughs) (laughs) Not that fake man deodorant. Yeah, no, not a fake man deodorant. This is a deodorant for real men. It smells like tobacco and wood and moss. Yeah, it smells like tobacco. Smells like a cowboy spitting your armpit. (laughs) Whiskey. (laughs) Uh, the ad, which appeared in magazines as a mail order item costing two dollars, suggested that after a twenty-four hour race like Le Mans, you probably need a pit stop. No feminine thrills, but a pleasing masculine fragrance with effective deodorant control. <laughs> Recommended for everyday use by non-race car drivers too. Oh, good. Then I can yeah. buy it. You don't want to. You don't want to smell I, good. You don't want to smell good. You want to smell like a man. Yeah, I think I just think I think it's so funny that they still sell deodorant. Like it's this the, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. The, like this is still Axe. This is still uh, Old Spice. This is still uh, like Doctor Squatch and stuff. Like you don't you yeah you gotta be clean, but you don't want to be clean like a girl. You don't want to be too clean. You don't want to be jasmine clean. You don't want to be <laughs> no. lavender clean. You don't want to smell like no freaking flowers. You want to smell like coffee or beer. Unless it's that flower that looks like a corpse and it smells like a corpse. Because that's a real man flower. The corpse blossom. This is the the cannibal corpse official soap. Uh, yeah, hey, let's... um, Are we at a spot where we can uh, read some chat for a, little, for a sec, do you think? Yeah, let's take a take a second to hang out with our friends. All right, so I'm looking at the chat right now. Uh, I'm getting Ian asks uh, 400Z video when uh, we're gonna wait. Uh, we're, Wheelhouse is gonna continue the uh, the Nissan saga. I just want to wait until we have a little bit more details about the 400Z, including price and all that. Um, I want to do something pretty ridiculous for that one. Uh, so hang in there. We'll definitely definitely. Uh, a video on the foreign and Z probably a million videos on it to be honest maybe high low season seven is 400 Z's <laughs> here's a <laughs> statement from grape uh, my cousin says not to get a civic for a first car because it gets stolen a lot um, mm. I'm gonna have to go ahead and I think they're a great first car but I will agree that they do get stolen a lot I've had two f- three friends that have had their Civic stolen. One of them was actually a, a, a Civic that we shot with. It got stolen later that day. That day. Yeah. yeah. And oh then it was God. recovered. But um, that was pretty a crazy. Lot of, a lot of different, a lot of Civics shared the same key, like especially like the 90s ones. Like I had like a couple friends in high school that you could open and start, they could open and start each other's cars with their key. Oh God. That's insane. I don't think uh, that's a reason to not get one. You just get like a club or something. Yeah, if you do, you just get like a kill switch. Or, I don't know. They do get stolen, but they are a good first car. So, thank you for the <laughs> donation, Mister Shakar. That's a hundred uh, something. Y'all the best. Love from India. Thank you. We. Lo- I'd love to go to India eventually. Is um, that rupees. Someone said that their Civic got stolen last night, so that's pretty funny. I mean, I hope you got it back, but that's pertinent to this conversation. Yeah, uh, quit watching and go get your find your car. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. What are you doing? <laughs> How come you guys don't do more truck or RV van builds? Uh, stay tuned. That's all, all we'll say. say. Stay tuned. Got some some things in the up our sleeves. Uh, Davidas says, "Get a VW Golf." James, do you have anything to to say to that? 
Uh, yeah, they're great. I love golfs. I've had a million of them. I currently own one. Um, it's a great little car. Uh, how's what's the status of your golf right now? Should start this next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully, I'll get it back sometime in October. So it's in North Carolina at Eurowise Performance, getting a five-cylinder swap. They're using it to develop their uh, like engine mount wiring harness kit. Uh, so I miss it. It's been a while. Um, so you're getting the I, beta. You're getting the beta version. Yeah, I'm getting the first version. So Hell yeah. Let's give a shout out to Mason Ackley real quick. He says you guys are amazing. Keep this community alive. Uh, oh, thank thanks, you, Mason. thanks, Mason. Uh, he's got also got a Mark IV VR6 GTI, and that's pretty sick. So great, great, good. great motor, great sounding car. Good on you. Happy birthday to Bridger. <clears throat> Happy birthday. Uh, thank you for watching. Now, clearly, if Shelby was this busy hosting chili cook-offs, writing books, and hawking manly pit stop spray. Oh, I get it. Pit stop, like armpit. Yeah. Ah. It seems like some of those, like, they came up with a name before the product. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, his mind was not fully on his racing company. The proof showed on the track. Although the GT40 continued to compete uh, in GT racing in 1968 and 69, nice, uh, Porsche made cars... <laughs> had begun to dominate. Similarly, Shelby Mustangs performed decently in 68 and 69. Nice Trans Am series. But the brand new Chevrolet Camaro, built as Chevy's response to the Mustang, was now the car to beat. Having conquered the world of sports car racing, Shelby was ready for bigger and better things. By 1969, nice, Carroll was only 46. But after a decade of constant work, he was burned out and announced he would retire from the car world to explore what else life had to offer. Although Shelby was clearly a man of great ambition, he seemed less interested in ruling over an automotive empire than he was in finding other venues for his constant stream of business ideas and innovations. He was also more rich, famous, and successful than he had ever hoped. Maybe he just wanted to go out on top. A bizarre pop culture factoid from the time illustrates just how famous a name Shelby was in the late 60s. In 1968, Bill Cosby put out a comedy album entitled 200 Miles Per Hour. The title bit was about Cosby bumping into Shelby in a department store and Shelby convincing him to buy a 1965 Shelby Cobra Super Snake CSX 3303 with twin yeah. superchargers, one of only two in existence. Cosby test drives it, but is so scared by the power of the car that he returns the keys to Shelby. The punchline of the 23-minute story is Cosby <laughs> suggesting that Shelby give the apparently deadly fast car to George Wallace, a famously racist politician at the time. Wait, it, that just shows like how far comedy has gone from like a 23-minute <laughs> joke. <laughs> People are like, oh yeah, no one has attention spans nowadays, but now it's like, I think no. people like uh, John Mulaney and stuff tell really long stories. That's true. That's true. Like, I, I, there's like two kinds of comedian. I feel like right now, it's like there's the storyteller, and then there's like the joke guy. Yeah, that Bert dude. Bert, Bert Kreischer. Come on. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. He he does that <laughs> machine story that's really good. Yeah, this story gets even weirder though. <laughs> What's not mentioned on the album is that Shelby did, in fact, sell the car to another customer, a car enthusiast named Tony Maxey. Maxey promptly drove the CSX off a cliff and into the Pacific Ocean and died. Oof. So Cosby was right. The car did 
kill its next owner. Truly one of the weirdest stories ever. Let's get an F in chat. Yeah, let's get an F in chat for Tony Maxey. Rest in peace, King. I hope you're up there with Lil Peep and Pope John Paul II. Just And freaking uh, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. RGB. Anton Yelchin. Shelby. Ironically, for a guy who was retired from cars, he also found time in 1971 to found the Shelby Wheel Company based in Gardena, California, which is still active today. Hmm. In fact, you can even buy custom Carroll Shelby wheels for your Jeep. That's what you're into. The Jeep thing. I wouldn't understand. <laughs> Carroll also used his retirements to branch out into ventures beyond those carrying his name. In the 70s, his son-in-law, Carrie Levine, came to him asking for a $20,000 loan in order to open a restaurant. Levine had opened a few restaurants in the past, but none of them had really taken off. Ooh. Feels like a setup for a business flop or a sitcom or for Shelby to simply say no. But surprisingly, he agreed. The name of the restaurant was, does anybody want to take a guess? I mean, I'm Chili's! <laughs> Freaking Chili's. Chili's, dude. dude. That Chili's. It is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, they got Chili's Express, too, in the airport. It's a freaking multi-billion dollar business. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I just want to say real quick, those Shelby Shelby wheels from the Shelby Wheel Company, uh, they've got some pretty cool designs on here. Some of them are not to my liking, but not a some, of them are, some of them are pretty sick. I will say that. 
the only credit that Shelby would take for Chili's is that when he agreed to front Levine the loan, he insisted that the restaurant's food be kept simple, limiting the fare to hamburgers, fries, and frosted mugs. No mention of the quesadilla explosion salad, so that must have come later. Also, I'm, I'm, baby back ribs. Yeah, I'm partial to the uh, margarita chicken myself. Uh, yeah, I want like you get a strawberry marg. Oh, a, a presidente marg, baby. We actually went to Chili's for <laughs> when we hit two million subs. Yeah, that uh, whoa, that seems so long ago. Yeah, and it we was. just we went like early and it just like wrecked all of us. It was yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and where it it took an hour and a half to drive there. Yeah, <laughs> it was like not. It was but, definitely uh, yeah. worth it, but like yeah, everyone was like everyone was like yeah, man. I went to bed at like five thirty last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I ate like a whole thing of queso just by myself, and yeah. then there's another queso. I, I I dug into that too. Damn! Thank you to Star for donating a hundred dollars. Damn! <laughs> thank you, Crazy. Star, and Donut Media and Chill. Haha! <laughs> I like it. <laughs> According to Shelby's website, he started making yearly voyages to Africa in the 1970s, traveling the continent for months at a time. Of course, wherever Shelby went, so too did his business ventures. In Africa, Shelby speculated on land, buying acreage in, and oftentimes losing it through confiscation in the political turmoil of the time. He also invested deeply into the safari business, which ended up losing him millions. Uh, while it, it's just this is just like the whitest way to invest in Africa. <laughs> Going to safari. I'm just going to buy all the land. I think I'm going to invest in this emerald mine. Yeah. <laughs> while, while in Africa, Shelby also had some tendencies that were not so kosher. Much, much of his time in Africa was spent big game hunting for elephants and other wild animals. Yeah, it's not that but, cool. I think hunting uh, is a an, a, uh, a cool thing to do. Uh, not when it's endangered uh, big game. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, that hunting, out there. De hunting deer and fowl. Yeah, if you're, hunting for, if you're hunting for food, I think that's totally... Totally cool. Got a lot of friends growing up that did that. Where um, in Atascadero, where'd they go? I want to get into hunting. Seems like uh, something seems like something me and Jeremiah would do together. Yeah, my boy, uh my boy Jesse would like every, it seemed like twice a year he and his dad would go out somewhere. I I don't know if it was in Slow County or not, but he went a lot of deer hunting, you know. A lot of waiting out there in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> you and your gun. And then you're just waiting. Speak, speaking of bush, uh Shelby was also something of a womanizer. In a 2001 interview with the Dallas Morning News, Shelby disclosed that he had been married, quote, five, possibly six times, maybe more, depending on whether you believe that the necessary paperwork and ceremonies have to accompany the I do's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. What is Carol? <laughs> sure, I told her. Sure, I told her we was married. I didn't, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess we got everything signed and there is a priest there and stuff, but are we really married? Is we is ain't we, you know? <laughs> <laughs> In that same interview, Shelby shared that he'd lost his pilot's license because of health issues, and it's heavily implied that his current wife was taking flying lessons so that a licensed pilot could be in the plane uh, as Shelby took the controls. <laughs> Listen, baby, Dude. here's what here's what I'm gonna need you to do. I'm gonna need you to log about 150 hours. <laughs> In the simulator, what and a, you get what up a, there with an instructor. Uh, so then, after you get licensed, 
I'm not going to let you fly. I'll take over once we get up there. But I just need Look, you baby, be in the plane. You love me, me, right? You love me with all your heart. Well, do this for me. Please just log 150 hours in the Cessna. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what a sabbatical. You're mm-hmm. like one of the one of the one of the dudes in the car world, and then you're just like, you know what? Let's just have a gap here. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go to Africa. I'm gonna get married a whole bunch of times. I'm gonna fly planes. I'm gonna start doing I don't know chili. I'm gonna start a restaurant called Chili's. We got the baby back ribs. Hell, I might buy some zebras and lose a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a. F- I don't give a fudge. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) All right. So Shelby couldn't stay away from the automotive world for long, though. August of 1976, the first gathering of the Shelby Automotive Club of America was held, attracting 600 fans. Carroll reunited with many of his former drivers, and the club remains active with a yearly convention to this day. However, for the entirety of of the 1970s, rather, excuse me, Shelby didn't fully return to the world of automotive construction and racing in which he had made his name. When he did, it was to an unlikely company. Chrysler's anemic lineup of cars, which included the Omni, Shadow, and even the Charger, were struggling and needed a boost. Lee Iacocca. Lee Iacocca. Thank you. Who had made his name as a rising executive at the Ford Motor Company in the 60s. The father, the father of the Mustang, okay? Uh, uh, made his name... Is a little bit of an understatement, okay? The, the guy, he did the Mustang. Okay. Yeah, he's played by uh, John, ah, uh, oh, crap, what's his name? John, uh, the, the Goodman. Punisher. No, John Goodman. <laughs> no, he's played by the Punisher in the Ferrari. Yeah, John, John, John Jim from The Office. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he would go on to become Ford's president in the 70s and had been unexpectedly fired by Henry Ford the second, a.k.a. Ford, Hank the Deuce. Hank the Deuce! Iacocca switched over to lead Chrysler in 1978. That's a good get from those guys. With a mandate to reinvigorate Chrysler's struggling brands. He had also worked closely with Shelby at Ford, and the two men remained friends. So naturally, Iacocca saw Shelby as the perfect candidate to put some pep into Dodge's limp step in the early 80s. Hey, hey, Lee, you want to come over and cook some chili this weekend? Uh, yeah, sure, Kel. Uh, can you reinvigorate my brand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right. Anyways, the 1983 Dodge Shelby Charger, it was a hot version of the regular L-Body 83 Charger with squared off recessed headlights. Uh, uh, Joey, can we get that picture back up? Um, and a beefy air dam. The horsepower was pumped up to a screaming 107 <laughs> horsepower. <laughs> The emphasis was on the exterior design, namely a signature blue and white striped paint job and a racing style body kit that was somewhat unorthodoxly shipped separately to the dealership to be assembled upon delivery. Hmm. In 1985, a turbocharged 2.2 liter engine was introduced and there's a siren going by my house. I'll pause. Uh, dude, no one's got Another. two stars right now. Um, yeah. So the turbocharged 2.2 liter engine was introduced and oddly the car's name was changed from the dodge shelby charger to the dodge charger shelby now lee i know it's a little nitpicky but i've been thinking all last year it's just bothered me a little bit what Uh, is it this time girl can we just switch shelby and charger how hard is that is that hard to do 
I'll I feel see like what that's I like do. that's me giving uh, notes on merch. Like, <laughs> me, uh, and then Jesse's like, "You have no idea how hard that is. You're you're so annoying. <laughs> you should have done this two weeks ago." I'm like, man. To give you an idea of the sad non-collectability of the Dodge Shelby's compared to anything Shelby so much, they'd swap the fuse out in the early 60s Ford era. Shelby's personal 1983 Dodge Shelby Charger advertised in, quote, time capsule condition with a mere 3,000 miles on the odometer sold at auction last year for, anyone want to take a guess? Shelby Charger, time capsule 20, condition. 20 grand. 20 grand. $26,880. <laughs> Meaning a mint version of this car is closer in dollar value to a Hot Wheels Shelby Cobra than to an actual 60s Shelby Cobra. 1987 <clears throat> marked the last year of production for the Dodge Charger Shelby. I, I don't mind these. I think they're kind of cool. There's a guy uh, I saw at a car meet who had swapped a 392 Hemi from oh, the current Charger into oh one of those. It was really well done. It looked like factory. It was very cool. I can't remember his name. That sounds super sick. That's um, fun. I think they would be like if, um, like I'm never going to be as wealthy as Jay Leno, but like when I'm like 50, like my version of Jay Leno's garage is I have all the non-Ford Shelby's. <laughs> like I got like an Omni. I got a Charger. Just like combined three, 400 horsepower. That would be pretty... Pretty, that's but just like clean, just clean. A collection of over $47,000. <laughs> Carol's next collaboration with Chrysler hit the market in 1984. It was originally set to be called the Dodge Omni Coyote, but that was rejected. Shelby suggested calling it the Dodge Omni GLH, which of course stands for goes like hell. The GLH had the same engine as the Shelby Charger, but was more lightweight. In 1985, a turbo option was released with a 146-horsepower engine that combined with the car weighing a mere 2,200 pounds made the GLH respectively quick. I want to drive one of these. You know what I mean, too? Yeah. I don't know. I, I would like to drive one. I'm just... I want to keep my expectations realistic. Yeah, but those yeah. 80s turbo cars are really fun to drive because there's so much lag and then the boost comes on just so heavy. <laughs> That's fair. By 1986, the GLH was discontinued, and Shelby opted to buy the final 500 GLH turbos directly from Dodge. All 500 of the cars were black, and Shelby, as always looking to cash in on his awesome name, modified them and sold them as the Shelby GLH-S, a.k.a. the Shelby Goes Like Hell some more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the GLH-S was essentially a modified version of the Dodge Omni, featured a 2.2 liter turbo one engine that was modified with turbo two parts, which got it up to 175 horsepower and a zero to 60 time of six and a half seconds, which is about as fast as fast. my Mustang. So that's yeah. pretty yeah. quick. Mm -hmm. Especially in a car like that, that probably feels like light speed. That's as fast as a Sierra Cosworth. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this thing is... Especially in the 80s, that's freaking fast. Yeah, this thing kicks Was book. a Sierra four-wheel drive? Mm, yeah. Most interesting modification made to the GLHS Charger was the uh, sticker added to the speedometer that extended the top speed from 85 miles an hour to 135 miles an hour, hmm. which fully wrapped around the speedometer. 
so that the 365 mile an hour mark was in the same location as the five mile an hour mark. <laughs> Dude, if, I, I, if Doug DeMiro saw that, he would shit his pants. That is a quirk. This <laughs> is a Shelby Charger GLHS. This is a Shelby Charger GLHS. <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> no one do your Doug DeMiro impression. This? That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> He did a video on the Centenario uh, yesterday or a couple days ago. Okay, let's let's uh, keep let's just promote other YouTube channels. Hey, man, community, <laughs> dude. Yeah. People love community. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The Dodge hey, Shelby. Okay, I'm really into the Hoonigan Donk build right now. I love that. Uh, every time the video comes out, I'm into it. The Dodge Shelby collaborations only got weirder from that point on. Believe it or not. 1989 saw the release of the Dodge Shelby Dakota, a oh, modified dude, version so cool. of the Dakota Sport model. Yeah, Joey's queuing it up. Nice. I love uh, that truck. It's so the Shelby, cool. Yeah, it's really sick. The Shelby Dakota featured the classic Shelby paint job and decals with a racing stripe down the hood and sides of the car. The stock 3.9 liter V6 was replaced with a 5.2 liter V8 sizable engine. It was Shelby's first rear-wheel drive car since the 60s, and Dodge claimed it to be the highest-performing pickup truck available. This was like the fir- the start of the 90s muscle trucks. Yeah, we that's did right. uh, an episode really... of Wheelhouse that on these cars. That's right. I had to shoot it twice because the first time I shot it, the autofocus wasn't working, uh, and then had to do it again, and uh, I was losing my mind at that point. Classic yeah. uh, Vaseline lens Nolan. <laughs> yeah, we uh I finally shot in a studio uh last batch. Uh and it was the first D list in focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Anyway, yeah, Dodge claimed the Shelby Dakota to be the highest performing pickup truck available. The Shelby Dakota came equipped with twin triangular aerodynamic wings extending from the back of the cab to the top edges of the bed. Uh, this is impossible to verify, but according to Reddit user Rootworm, with proper aero, uh, this truck could reach speeds as a, as high as 135 miles per hour, but the wings were known <laughs> to fly off right at 90 <laughs> miles per hour, usually in violent fashion. I don't think Carol Shelby did a lot of wind tunnel testing for this truck. Um, I think that's safe to say. This doesn't this sound is like, like it. Uh, the same type of like little triangles that the Chevy Avalanche has. Yeah. On the back of their truck. The final collaboration with Dodge, thanks guys again, was the CSX. These sports compacts were based on the Dodge Shadow and produced from 1987 to 89. CSX stood for Carroll Shelby Experimental. Because it's not experimental or extreme if you use an E. That's right. Rules. <laughs> oh, I've actually, these things are pretty sick. Uh, I the love original these. C- yeah, the original CSX featured the Turbo 2 2.2 L4 banger with 175 horsepower. The most impressive CSX was 1989's CSX VNT. The VNT stood for Variable Nozzle Turbo. This was the first use of a variable turbine in a production car. So that means it could change its profile to, to increase or decrease boost depending on the engine's needs. It's pretty complicated. The VNT featured an intercooled Turbo 4 uh, with computer-controlled turbo vanes. Okay, so the VNT also shipped with ground a ground effects package 
and modified suspension, ground effects, of course, being a, a sucking motion that plants the car on the ground while it's moving. It came exclusively in exotic red with gold wheels and trim. And oddly enough, for a Dodge Shelby, it did not feature a racing stripe. Uh, There's actually uh, one for sale. It might not be for sale anymore, but there was in Santa Monica a while ago. Oh, that'd be sweet. Uh, and so ended the 80s, and with it, Shelby's Dodge collaborations. It's actually kind of strange how neatly Shelby's life divides into these decades. And you mm. have to wonder if that reflected some conscious decision on his part. In the 40s, Shelby flew planes. In the 50s, he raced cars. Uh, in the 60s, he built his Ford Shelby Empire before walking away in the 70s to make Chile and wander around Africa. And then the 80s were Dodge. Should we take a break to read the chat? Let's do yeah. it. Let's do some. Do some yeah. chat reading. Feed me, Nolan. Feed me, Nolan. Okay, I'll feed you. I'll feed feed you. me some of them sweet, sweet questions and comments. Uh, someone said Sh Nolan is pregnant with James. So, great. okay, that's <laughs> um, that's interesting. Someone paid seventy five dollars to tell me that. <laughs> someone is asking when this is going to start. Uh, so that's not a good sign. <laughs> I want to give a shout to Dead Duck. He says Nolan and James inspired me, and I just want to tell them that they inspired me to get into cars. And did I mention that I'm 10 years old? Ah, oh, tight. That's Shout what out. we're that's what we're here for. Um, let's see the Ute. here. The Ute, Dead Duck. <laughs> Is there a car that actually has a V4? I'm not sure to that question. I don't think they make like V4s. I think are only in motorcycles. I just think it's better to have an inline four engine. I think uh, there, I have, be, there definitely I have been V4 totally cars. totally wrong, though. There's probably some obscure French car that has one. Yeah, I'm sure like in the 1930s, there was a ton of them. Ooh, here's a good question from Chef Vince Visser. Great job, guys. What should I buy as my first track in the U.S.? A Nissan Z or a Corvette C4 for the LS base? What, which, which is a better track car to buy, a Nissan Z, Z or a C4? 1,000% the Z. I'm going to have to back that up. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd zero, like... P more parts availability it's a way newer chassis yeah z 1000 1000 percent i'm gonna say the corvette yeah, joe i'll do what i want <laughs> you have a z yeah and that's why i'm like i love a z and a corvette <laughs> <laughs> you have a z you have the z that looks like the corvette <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> uh david castillo asks what happened to the 350 z's aka high and low um, they are in the Peterson Automotive Museum currently uh, on display. We built two cars that are in a freaking museum. I'm so proud of it. It's so insane. I think it's low car. Amazing. I have to double check. Uh, I have to fact check on this, but I do believe that low car could potentially be the first plasti dipped car in a museum. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. Yeah. I would love that. Uh, that making honor. history, making history, making waves. This is why we're here. We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. 
Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Next question. Next question. Looking I want to give a question. shout out to Dylan and Declan and Stephanie who showed me how to do this awesome tie dye. Uh, they're Bridget's friends and they, I, I, she sent a picture because they tie dyed a uh, boost creeps shirt and I thought it looked Ooh. so cool. I had to do it. Uh, Griffin McPherson asks, hi, what's up? What would be the best high school car on a tiny budget? Volkswagen golf. Any, any year. Anyway, James, didn't we we did a, a D list on best first cars, right? Uh, yes, we did. Was I, the Golf on your list at that time? Of course. <laughs> of course. What was number yeah. one? Ah, uh, what was number one? Um, I don't. You'll have to watch the episode to find out. The '90s would be a very different kind of decade for old Carroll Shelby, one in which he would have to face the limits of his own mortality. By 1990, Shelby was experiencing some pretty serious health problems. He was 67 years old, and doctors said that in his current condition, he would be dead within a month. Ooh. In the 30 years prior, he had an incredible 30 surgeries, including 12 heart bypasses. Damn. As often happens, life imitated art, or at least life imitated car design, and Shelby's life was saved by the ultimate engine swap. When a 34-year-old African-American man died of a brain hemorrhage while sitting at a craps table in Vegas, talk about a bad roll of the dice. <laughs> His heart was transported by corporate jet to Cedar sinai in Los Angeles. There, the heart was transplanted into Carol Shelby's body. When he woke up, he thought the doctor was there to give him his last rites, but the surgery was successful and gave Shelby his life back. According to Motor Trend, apparently upon learning the donor was black, Shelby equipped... Uh, I, Jesus. I hope you gave me his dork, too. Oh, God. I got his dingling. <laughs> Come on, man. That's like such an old man joke. Oh, yeah. very old man joke. Yeah. Uh, his heart transplant literally gave Shelby a new lease on life, and it inspired him to extend the generosity he had experienced to those in need. In 1991, he founded the Carol Shelby Heart Fund, later renamed the Shelby Children's Foundation, dedicated to funding organ transplants for children. The foundation would raise millions of dollars, with Shelby auctioning off many cars from his massive collection and donating the proceeds. He also wasn't above a practical joke. Less than a year after his transplant, Shelby was at the Indy 500 and took a car journalist out for a few laps in a Dodge Viper. In the journalist's words, blasting down the straightaway between turns two and three, Carol legged out the car in fifth gear. I couldn't see the speedometer, but it felt like 120, 125. Suddenly, he grabs his chest and stumps over in his seat. <laughs> oh my God, Carol Shelby's had a heart attack, I thought. After the three seconds it took to have my life flash before me, and to grab the steering wheel, Shelby sat up, roaring with laughter. Uh, <laughs> That's a mean joke. <laughs> yeah, man. The 90s also saw Shelby cementing his legacy. In 1992, he was inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame. He also created what, what was essentially his fantasy car, the Shelby Series 1. This would be the first and only car that Carroll Shelby would ever design and build from the ground up instead of modifying an existing model. The Series 1 was a rear-wheel drive roadster featuring an old mobile Okay. Four liter Aurora V8 based off the North Star with 320 Hershpers. It was capable of zero to 60 in 4.4 seconds and a quarter mile of 
There's also a supercharged version that could do 0 to 60 in 3.2 seconds with 600 horsepower and 530 pound furts of tricks. <laughs> that thing is so cool looking. I'm very really surprised cool. that like it's an Aurora V8. I don't know. That's like a weird choice for me, but if it works, it works. Like, it's be- like, you know, it's because he got a deal. You oh, know, like sure. they, they probably had like, they gave him the best deal. Yeah. Um, and he was Look, like, no yeah. one wants old mobiles. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I can work with that. The price tag of the series one was equally surprising. Although the initial plan was to sell the cars at a price of $100,000 due to the high costs required to pass federal safety standards. Initially only 249 series ones could be built. And when they were finally sold a year later than anticipated, the car was listed for an insane $225,000. To be fair, power windows, AC, and a CD player were all generously included in the base price. Despite the insane costs, orders were strong, but even for two hundred twenty-five grand, the car was not very profitable. Why not? And uh, <laughs> it bankrupted Shelby's investors. It, uh, oh. ba- it ba- Wow. Ba- I mean, that's in 92. 92 money for 225K. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, That's it's at least two hundred thirty thousand dollars nowadays. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> I'm gonna get okay. I'll guess nineties money. I'm gonna say at least three hundred k. I'm gonna okay. I'll say three hundred ten. Okay, Joe, what'd you say? Three hundred five thousand. Okay, you just prices right at Joe, Nolan. Um, <sighs> I I'm gonna say I don't know something like three hundred eighty six thousand two hundred thirty three. <laughs> Let me check. Very specific. Three hundred eighty-six. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's. uh, And you're right. I did prices right, Joe. I learned from the best. (laughs) Oh, you won. (laughs) Who's the best, Drew Carey or Bob Barker? They're both great. Hmm. I used to Drew Carey. Drew Carey was the best host of Who's Line. Mm Hmm. I uh, toured with Drew Carey one summer, uh, like opened for him. And uh, he bought me and all my friends laptops, or not laptops, iPads. Oh, cool. And like uh, six months later, I was broke and I like sold my iPad. And when the guy came to pick it up, I was like, you know, uh, Drew Carey got that for me. And he was like, I, he literally said, he was like, I don't care. (laughs) 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 I was like, oh, okay. That's stone cold, dude. (laughs) This is literally. A, a transaction for me. Yeah. You are not a person. You are uh, in the way of me and my iPad. There's <clears> a, here's a, <clears> oh my little, God. Uh, live podcast thing. My dog is trying to get on my lap right now and open the door himself. So let's see that gonna... dog, dude. There he is. Oh, there he is. Oh, there's a, a good boy. That's a sweet boy. My dog is sleeping uh, under my desk i'm very surprised that she's behaving she knows it's live man she knows it's say? live she's she's a pro man say what you want about her she's pro i do not have any pets i'm <clears throat> alone you should get like an iguana or something <laughs> yeah i actually wanted a chameleon when i was younger but they take a lot of work do they oh yeah you gotta Just... like constantly be monitoring their their humidity and all that kind of stuff and their heat plus, rock yeah plus plus they're hard to find because they yeah camouflage themselves it's crazy when they like nestle up against like the glass of the terrarium they just turn clear unbelievable i uh used to live in a house with a bunch of dudes and one of them had a tarantula and he told (laughs) us after he'd found it he was like my tarantula has been missing in the house for the past three weeks i just found it 
<laughs> we were like, oh god. It was probably like eating mice and all that. Like yeah. it was probably doing its work. You know, it was yeah. it was paying its due. Yeah, it was he found it. Share. He found it behind the toilet. <laughs> oh my oh. god. Oh, that's uh, my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Your dog loves past gas, Michael. Mike Mike Cianci. In 2004, things finally came full circle for Carol Shelby. The Ford Motor Company hadn't worked with Shelby in over 30 years. And in fact, the relationship had soured at times, with Shelby at one point suing Ford for allegedly using Cobra branding without his permission. They probably did. Multiple factors probably played into Shelby's return to Ford. But one has to imagine that for Shelby, now 81, his legacy was at the top of his mind. The first new collaboration was another roadster. The Ford Shelby Cobra concept. This one inspired by the original AC Cobra that was the first joint effort of Shelby and Ford all the way back in 1961. It won Best in Show at the 2004 Detroit Auto Show and by 2005, Ford and Shelby introduced a production car, the Shelby CS6-8 based on the existing V6 Mustang. If you guys have seen Triple X State of the Union with Ice Cube, <laughs> of then you've seen... Of course they've seen... Of Dolan! Yeah. Of course they've seen Triple X State of the Union with Ice Cube. Then you've the seen the, uh, the Ford Shelby channel. Cobra. For and sure. It's probably the most popular movie for donut fans, Nolan. The Venn diagram is just a circle. 100%. It's the Venn, it's the Venn diagram. The, it's the Venn, Venn diagram. Nice! <laughs> 2007 saw the release of the Ford Shelby GT as well as the Shelby Terlingua, which shared the name of the ghost town near Shelby's ranch and was presumably modified to run on chili. Nice. <laughs> he probably named it that so he could bump up the property value. Too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Tacoma, Washington is pretty popular these days. <laughs> uh, collaborations continued until Shelby finally passed away the age of 89 in 2012. His lives had finally run out, but Ford, with the permission of the Shelby estate, continued production of Shelby-branded vehicles. Even after his death, Shelby has found a way to live on. <sighs> and live on in our hearts he has. What a great story. Um, I love Carol Shelby. Yeah, Carol Shelby's the man, dude. I really love his cars. And uh, just, just everything he story. did. He's just like a ass kicking yeah you don't really get guys like this very often like he's just like such a character such a brand you can't like nail him down in one one market like he's kind of just am i over here Whoo, i'm over here i'm back here i got got two hundred twenty thousand acres (laughs) (laughs) oh tap 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 um, tap 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 oh nope I tapped your opposite shoulder. I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> if he invented like to hear... that. He invented the tapping someone on the one shoulder, but then you're really on the other side of him. He wow. tried to market it, but it didn't really go over the, very <laughs> well. You look like an idiot. You was looking over there. Turns out I'm over here. I went like this. Let's go to the chat. Shelby 420 will be the best comeback. It should come out in 2069. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> will there be a third season of High Low? Yes. Uh, thoughts on the new M3 I like it I think it looks really cool and aggressive I know people are hating on the big kidneys but I think like I can't wait to see these things modified I think they look super mean and super cool I am looking forward to the mod modded versions of them I want to see what like Kaisel can do to it mm-hmm. um, I will say though 
a lot of these cars coming out now, they, they're so aggressive and weird looking in pictures that when you see them in person, then you understand them. Like, uh -huh. just remember how strange the Supra looked? Even like mm -hmm. the new Mustang, when that was re refreshed in like 2017 or 18, like that mm -hmm. looked kind of weird, but then you saw it in your person, you're like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. Right, um, they, they, they literally set trends. Yeah, so I'm, I'm willing to reserve my judgment until I see one in person. But I the think, pictures do look I weird. think they toned it down from like that, that M4 picture that leaked a while back of the gray one. Um, the, the air, the intake looks or the grill looks like a little bit smaller and more like refined than the prototype, which makes sense. Yeah. I want to I see like the, like touring car version of it. Yeah. Can you guys do some content on women in the auto industry? We just did, uh, just released a podcast on Michelle Mouton. Uh, great episode. Great Loved episode. Super, Super good fun. story. And uh, there's more in yeah, the pipeline, though. Yeah, we're always trying to um, represent more people in the auto industry. So if you have any ideas, uh, let us know in the comments. Nolan, you say you don't have pets, but why do you have a pet cage behind you? Good question. That is my. That's a that's a antique kind of like shop uh, cart that I put my tiny TV animals on. in. You put your animals in there. I put my, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, when are you guys going to do an episode on the Plymouth Roadrunner? Uh, maybe we can cover, the, cover that when Up to Speed comes back. James We've done an and episode the up of Up to Speed on it. On the Roadrunner? Haven't we? No. Superbird? I think Superbird. it gets mentioned in the Superbird episode. Mm. Yeah, but we, yeah. you know, it's own model. Um <clears throat> We're we're working hard on the new in, incarnation of uh, of up to speed, right, James. Big tings, big tings coming, bruv. Big tings. <laughs> Can you do a wheelhouse on why American taillights are so boring and why there aren't six door cars? Uh, why aren't there six door cars? I don't know. Too many doors. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short video. Too many doors. Uh, also, the hood do six... is like a is like a sixth door uh, <laughs> no. yeah. for the engine for the when like when at night when like the engine like wants to like chill out and like get out uh, and go to bed get out and just stretch its legs it like Look, opens. I the have hood. six friends and they're very impatient. They want to all get in the car at the same time. <laughs> they're very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we didn't mention. There's a comment about not mentioning the Shelby. Uh, viper um i guess it slipped past us but that is one of the one of the cooler vipers out there pretty sick when when is the colin mccray up to speed i think his story would be better suited to for past gas we're definitely gonna have to cover colin mccray mm -hmm, um, for sure yeah especially since we're gonna be in dirt coming out here in a few weeks yeah nolan and i uh, are the narrators of the new game from Codemasters, Dirt 5. It's coming out in a few weeks. Uh, it'll be on all the new platforms, like all the new uh, PS5 and the new Xbox, whatever that one's called. S. Uh, Xbox One <laughs> X. And, or I honestly don't even know. I'm not even like trying to do a bit or anything. I don't even... X edition? Oh, are you guys doing anything special for Halloween? Um, uh, I actually yes. just ordered, uh, I'm, I'm going to do a D list on spooky car stories and I just ordered a costume that I'm going to wear. Ooh, 
We got uh, a wheelhouse coming out on hearses. If you like uh, cars made specifically for dead people, you should <laughs> check that out. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. I'm still. It'll be fun. I'm still debating whether or not to wear corpse paint or not. Like a I think you like should. I'm in a black metal band. I need a. I need someone to do it for me though. I'm really not good at it. Yeah, that, uh, I think it I looks better you, when it's not great, though. I love that you know you're not good at doing corpse paint. <laughs> I've done it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Thoughts on lowered trucks? I love lowered trucks. Me too. I think it's great. I think you should lower everything. I like when people get mad about them, dude. I would love like a lowered suburban. Oh yeah, that's hard. With fun. like some thirteens. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get big old blades. Look like no, I'd still get some big wheels dealer. on there, but like. uh Ooh, so like, you know what would be cool is like kind of like slammed, but then mm -hmm. use like an off-road wheel and like an off-road profile tire. So it's almost like like a like an urban pre-runner or something like that, you know? I'd do big old like spree wells spinners. Oh hell yeah! I'd do reverse spree wells the the wheels that stay in one spot when you drive. Uh, this dude's dog is gonna be me for Halloween. That's awesome. Make sure you send <laughs> pic. Make sure you post. Post pics on Instagram yeah, and tag us. If anyone dresses up like any of us uh, for Halloween this year, make sure you post pictures and tag us and we'll definitely, definitely share it. We are All right. obsessed with ourselves. <laughs> Twinkle Toes NZ sent, sent us five New Zealand dollars for me to say fired up and mo power baby like Joe and James say it. So here it goes, okay? <clears throat> fired up. <laughs> My pal, baby. <laughs> Perfect. That was like... Yeah, there you go. That was totally worth five New Zealand bucks. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for watching our stream. This is the first time we did it. We'll probably do this in the future sometime. Make sure you check out Past Gas on our Donut Podcast channel. James and I have some very cool ideas for future podcasts that we're going to hopefully start rolling out here soon. So we got to fill out that podcast lineup. You don't want to miss that. And please check out Pass Gas on the podcast platform of your choice. You can listen to us in your car. Listen to us while you work if your boss is cool with that. That's Pass Gas on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And I just want to thank you again for spending your afternoon with us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Follow Nolan on all social media at Nolan J. Sykes. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at James Pumphrey. And follow Donut at Donut Media. And again, if you like this, head on over to our podcast only channel, Donut Podcast. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. We do this every week. Thanks again for watching. I love you. Yeah. Be kind. Keep it juiced. See you next time. <laughs>
in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.